Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. So here we have a prayer that God would direct, would direct a way for them to visit the Thessalonians. And, but more importantly, what I'd like to draw out at least initially tonight is that it says God himself and our father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody want to guess who Jesus is? <laughs> that would be Jesus is God. A lot of religions, a lot of people want to take the deity away from Jesus Christ. They're fine with saying he was alive. They're even fine with saying he walked the earth. They're even fine with saying he's a teacher, a rabbi, all that. It, it's fine. Um, they just want to take out the deity and say that Jesus is God. John 20, verse 28, Thomas answered and said unto him, meaning Jesus, my Lord and my God. <laughs> it's pretty clear that Jesus if you read and believe the Bible, is God. Matter of fact, 30 times in our New Testament, we see the phraseology that includes God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ in some way. Uh, that, that phraseology is grouped together 30 times in the New Testament. Jesus is God. <laughs> That's our first primary point tonight. We also say that it, we also see it starts off as a prayer. And uh, the prayer, Paul, under Holy Spirit inspiration, asks is that obstacles are removed and a direct path is given. So we can get back and see the Thessalonians. And that's, that's a good prayer. You want to be able to see folks that you love. Um, but what I'd like to draw out of that tonight, at least, uh, as we look at this verse is asking the question, who directs, who directs your way? Who directs my way? Proverbs three, six says, and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. How about your place of employment? Are you asking God to direct you or are you the director? How about the way you conduct your business and, and carry yourself on the job site? Uh, is, it, what, is it what you want to do or are you asking God to direct your path? How about where you go to school or where you help your children to figure out where to go to school? Are you acknowledging God? Are you asking him to direct your path or is it just all of your ideas? Uh, how about the way that young people, when you when you when you're going to grow up and you're going to choose a spouse, is it going to be what you want, what you think you want? Or are you going to ask God to direct your way, your path, your thinking? If we ask God for his help and his direction. We can greatly increase our chances of being in his will. After all, being in God's will means praying to him, seeking him, wanting to obey him, and you're in God's will. But we need to pray that he would direct our paths. So in verse number 11, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And look at verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, 
and toward all men, even as we do toward you. That's pretty loaded. Um, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. We go to the speedway quite often and like going to the speedway because, you know, you get your gas and you get points. Everything's points now. It's like the new currency. <laughs> uh, but you, you earn these points. You get gas, you earn points, and you get yourself a free slushy or you get yourself a free, free coffee or a free donut or, you know, something healthy like that. And so, you know, I take the kids every so often and they like getting slushies because they got all these different flavors and, you know, you got um, all these different sizes and nobody can drink eight ounces of slushy anymore. They have them from eight all the way up to 44. I don't know how you suck down 44 ounces of pure sugar, but kids that are 10, 11, 12, and they can do that. They can do those types of things. But anyway, when they go there, they got this thing where it's 89 cents for whatever size. So that makes it where <laughs> nobody's grabbing the mini one. <laughs> but the only stipulation is you can't grab the, ma the maximum. You can only go up to mighty. <laughs> they give them all names. And so guess which one you think the kids go for? Well, the biggest one. Because they want that slush to abound <laughs> as much as they, they can get. That should be our love one toward another. It should be like going in the speedway and not just grabbing the little incy bitsy one. It's grabbing the biggest one you can and just letting that love abound, letting that 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 slushy or that whatever soda you're going to put in there. And I try I try to give you that picture because we we do these things. We we let things flow in abundance in this world, and what Paul is trying to help us get under the Holy Spirit uh, inspiration is that we would let our love abound the same way we let other things abound. Paul wants their love to abound. And our love toward one another should. But then it says this. And toward all men. Oh, boy. That's the tougher of the two. These Thessalonians, they've had trials. They've had sufferings. They've had things they've had to go through. Uh, just like we do. At the hands of their enemies. Go back to Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter number 4. Uh, Matthew chapter number 5 rather. And let's read verse 44. Uh, let's start at verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said. Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemy. Well, I just wish that wasn't in the Bible. Because I have a hard time doing that. I like the good guys to win. I like my team to win. I like my party to win. I like my friends to get the good end of the deal. But Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Well, that's really hard when you look at this nation and you see what this radical left agenda has to really curse our country. I mean, economically, politically, and those types of things. They can't curse us spiritually. We have the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the love of Christ. But um, 
Look, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. That's easy to relate to nowadays. You look at this, 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 this whole election thing. And we're not going to go too deep into this uh, ditch of politics. But if you look at this hatred that the radical left has toward our president, Donald J. Trump, uh, it makes it really, really hard to obey this passage. They hate him. <laughs> you think about somebody or a group of people that hate you. And God says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And we're fixing to get despitefully used nationally. We're fixing to get persecuted nationally, economically, all, all those physical things down here. It doesn't affect our position in Christ. It doesn't affect what we should be uh, living for, but it does affect us down here on earth. And love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And we do. We need to pray for our leaders, even if our leaders are the enemy of God, the enemy of God's word, the enemy of God's church, and the enemy of the American people. That was a lot. How are you going to let love abound? Well, look at verse 45. That ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. We have a heavenly perspective. Please, we do. We should. For he maketh the son, his son rather, to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just. And on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Whew! A lot of stuff. It's easy to love those that love you. A lot harder to love this lost and dying world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. No matter who the political person was, if I were had the opportunity to sit down with them for coffee or for lunch, or if they happen to come in on a church service and visit and after church, you know what I would want to talk to them about? Jesus. <laughs> Sure, I'll hobnob and 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 uh, you know talk about the political stuff. Sure, uh, the same way that if you know an electrician comes in, or a plumber comes in, or a construction man comes in, or a or a fighter comes in, or uh, any type of tradesman comes in, you know you do your chit chat, you catch up. How's things going? You know, how's the job site? How we do that? That's that's normal. That's natural. But. I'm looking to get to the most important thing, which is what the church is here for, is the pillar and ground of truth. Where are they going to come to get spiritual truth? Right? Brothers and sisters, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We should try, try to rally around that person and find a way to tell them, if the gospel's hid to you, it isn't hid anymore. 
I want to I want to show you from the Bible what God did for you. And political man, political woman, you see you see all the things you're trying to do for us. You see all the things you're trying to do to get our taxes lower or or higher. You see all the things you're trying to do to us to help our economy thrive. You see all the things you're trying to put in place to help our uh, healthcare workers and everybody be able to function. All those things you're trying to do for us. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. Here's what Jesus did for you. You see, the same way you're able to do stuff for us as you get elected in the office and you're able to get things done, will help our life down here on earth, which I want and you want and we all appreciate. Can we tell you what Jesus did for you? We want you to appreciate him and the spiritual gifts that he's waiting to bestow upon. That's how we can love our enemy. If we keep our focus on Jesus Christ and what he did for them as sinners, that will help us to kind of take a step back and not want to seek revenge on all the bad things they either say to us, do to us, or believe about us. There's some pretty wicked people out there. We got to love them enough to tell them what Jesus did for them. And I believe that's what God would have us do. Now, if we had a really lively, powerful revival camp meeting style thing break out, and we had a, a really strong, just punch them between the nose, a punch them between the eyes, just square in the nose sermon on salvation. And, you know, people are flooding the, 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 the altar and, and uh, you know, yeah, man, people are getting saved. Everybody's amen. And, and it's just like, you know, it was it what it, it, it's the revivals like, you know, the preachers would see in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you know. Man, we would just love it. Let's just pray for revival in America. And that's the picture that we sometimes we give ourselves. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that I've had those thoughts of you. It'd be, it'd be neat, huh? That'd be real neat. Much better than the, uh, the, the happy, slappy stuff that we see. Man, just having people come and get saved. Well, what if we had a low-key, non-camp style, just a simple message like tonight? Really not a lot of jumping jacks and backflips and powerful, you know, preaching to the lost. What if it's just save people? And the message was increase your love one toward another. The message was increase your love toward all men. How many would come forward and pray? I mean, I get excited thinking about, man, that'd be great to just have the church house full one 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 evening and just have lost people come in and just you preach salvation and man we want them up here getting saved oh i love i'd love to have that you know what else i'd also love to have contrast that with we got a lot of saved people that are in church that don't have love abounding don't love their enemies don't love the lost enough to go after them as the enemy of god and tell them about jesus and boy, oh boy, wouldn't it nice to just have just a simple, non-emotional, if you would, sermon that just talks about we need to love our enemies. We need to love all men enough to tell them about Jesus. We need to have love abound amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ. Woo! And it's just people just flooding and praying and, you know, there's, that'd be great too.
which one's better? Well, great to have a soul saved, but I'd submit to you tonight that if more saved people would get serious about praying about these types of things, maybe more souls would get saved. We have to go after the loss. Unless we put up out on that sign that we're going to be showing some movie or we're going to be having some really big razzie dazzle party, we're not going to get a lot of people to come. We got to go after them. We got to go and meet them, find them, tell them. Save people. They won't come forward to pray. Look, I'm preaching to myself as well. Look what it says. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Save people struggle with resentment all the time. Save people struggle with forgiveness all the time. Save people struggle with anger all the time. They want them a nice revival meeting for people to come and get saved, but they won't come and get right. Keep praying for the lost to get saved. Keep praying uh, and keep inviting and witnessing. But also keep praying your love would abound. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 13. Let's move on. The last verse in the chapter says, To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. My first, well, all, kind of all of my instructors in martial arts, they always wanted us fight ready. Uh, especially my very first jujitsu instructor, we would go to South Philadelphia, 7th and Chestnut Street, and we train at max exercise. We were there, we didn't miss, miss class, didn't miss class. But the idea was you were to be fight ready. Because back in 1997, nobody was doing jujitsu. It was always going to be questioned. And so people would come into the gym and they'd want to test it out. Now, that didn't happen nowadays because it's already been proven. You can go to any major city and you can find at least two or three legitimate instructors that can teach you good, um, good jujitsu. But back in the late 90s, you, you were hard pressed to find it. So people would question it and they'd want to come in and see if this stuff really worked. So we had to be fight ready. Now, it's easier if our instructor would say to us, okay, on Friday at six o'clock, a week from today, we're, you are going to have a match. Here's who the opponent is. Here's his weight. Here's his record. Here's who he's beaten. Well, you can prepare for that. <laughs> you got a week to get your head wrapped around it. You got a week to work out the bugs. You got a week to look at film. You got a week to bring in people to kind of help you fine tune some things. And then you got your match that's scheduled. That is much different than always being fight ready. Where at any time, somebody can come in, and now you've got to be ready now. You don't have time to watch film. You don't have time to do anything else except it's go time. And that's how we lived. 
So that meant don't go to Taco Bell. <laughs> we we had a guy go to Taco Bell and we would tease him all the time because I got sick and tired of him going to Taco Bell. So I, I figured that the next time he comes in with that Taco Bell uh, soda and he puts in the trash where he trains, we're just going to work his guy as hard as we can until he pukes. And we did. We did. Dave, Dave Hogan, we, he went out back, puked, you know, everything. So, Dave, you got to quit with that Taco Bell. We need to get you ready. We need to get you fight ready. Now, why did I say all that? We cannot live our lives trying to schedule. Well, if Jesus comes today, I'll get ready today. If Jesus is going to come in two weeks, I'll get ready. I'll get ready for the two weeks. No, we have to have this fight ready mentality. We have to be ready for Christ to come at any time. We don't set a date. How a, 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 a fight match would be set. All right, this is the date. This is when it's going to happen. Now get ready. We don't date set and say, okay, Jesus is coming in 2021. I mean, he has to look at Biden, you know, the whole thing. We, we don't date set and say, well, we'll just get ready then. No, it's fight ready. We're ready now. That's what we should be looking for all the time, ready at any time. That's how we should live our lives. The same way, if you're going to be fight ready, you're living your life so you're in good physical condition. You're not eating foods that are going to cause you to crash and all that. You're fight ready. If we knew Jesus was going to come next Friday, we can we can establish our hearts unblameable and hopeless. But that's not the idea. The idea is establish your hearts unblameable and holiness now. Don't wait. We don't know when Jesus is coming. Because of that, we should be ready all the time. All the time. If you're like me, you tend to go uh, and do things out of convenience. We all like convenience. Nothing wrong with that. A lot of people think, I'll go to church when it's convenient. I'll serve the Lord when it's convenient. I'll become a missionary when it's convenient. I'll get involved with public evangelism when it's convenient. You know, once I get all these things that I want to get done, then I'll serve God. And we get into this mindset of we're just going to serve God when it's convenient. We need to be careful of that because we'll look, we'll miss looking for Christ. So here's the question I'm going to ask. Are you, am I wanting to do this life down here on earth on our terms or on God's terms? Look what it says to the end. He may establish your hearts. To establish means to settle in a state for permanence, to make firm. Now, when we build our log cone, the engineer designed these beams. And if you like an open floor plan, beams aren't the best. It's a bit of an eyesore. So, you know, we didn't want the beams, but we knew we needed the beams. So we went to the engineer and we asked him like twice. No, you need those beams so that that structure 
can settle in for a state of permanence and not have problems. It was designed and engineered for those beams to establish that structure. Engineers figure all that out about how far things can go and, and all that. It's all, you're supposed to trust the science, right? Well, well they, there is some science and mathematics to that. And I'm sure that um, Brother Wesley, he'd figure out the equations on it. But it was there to establish the strength of that. And to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness. There's some strengthening that has to occur for our hearts to be established unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Well, see, there it is. There's the second coming. Except it doesn't say the second coming. Except we forgot to ask, coming where? <laughs> and so that's what we're going to ask tonight. Is Jesus coming to the earth? He is. Is he talking about coming to the earth in this passage? Well, let's find out. Where does it say that he's coming to the earth in this passage? It doesn't. Where are our hearts established unblameable? Look at this verse. Where? In holiness before who? God. We get that part, right? Who is God? Our Father. We get that part, right? When are we going to see God, our Father? When we return with Christ. To heaven or in glory to see him. He's coming. But he's going to make a stop in the clouds. We're going to meet him. And then we are going to see God. Our father. Let's read it again. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable. In holiness. Before God. Even our father. Okay. How are you going to get to God, the Father? When are we going to get to God, our Father? At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Is Jesus coming back to the earth? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Is Jesus coming back to the earth in this verse? No, he's not. Do the enemy establish your hearts on blameable holiness before God, even our father? Where are we going? We're going to be with God, the father. Who are we going to come with? Jesus Christ. Who were his saints? We're coming with the Lord Jesus Christ. At his coming. Where's he coming to? Not earth. The clouds. We'll get to that later. But the destination of where we are going is to our father, our father. Now, his second coming, we are going to come with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to come down and we're going to come onto the earth, not before God, our father. He's going to set up a kingdom. 
joy to the world. Joy to the world. He's going to set up a kingdom. But here, well, let's get Colossians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at some other verses. Uh, and 1 Timothy 3, we'll get all those. Colossians. Ephesians 4. And then 1 Timothy. Okay. All right. Let's do Colossians 3, verse 4 first. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. When Christ appears, where are we going to appear with him? In glory. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. Now, this is not a reference to our bodies being glorified. We are going to get glorified bodies, but that's not a reference to that. This in glory is a reference to a location. It says in glory. It's God's dwelling place. This is the reference to the third heaven. Now, Ephesians chapter four, look at verse number 10. He that descendeth is the same also the descend that ascendeth up far above all heavens, above the first heaven, above the second heaven, that he might fulfill, that he might fill all things. So in Colossians chapter three, we see in glory when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him. Where? Where are we going? In glory. Where's glory? It's a location in heaven. Ephesians 4, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens. It's God's dwelling place. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16, all scripture. Oh, I'm in 2 Timothy. Oops. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. This is a reference to a location in glory. So in 1 Timothy 3, we see that he was received up in, into glory. That's the location. Of where God's dwelling place is. So let's make our way back to 1 Thessalonians. At the end of chapter 3. Hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to earth with all his saints. See, we have to read that into it. We got to read that into it in order to get this is the second coming. We have to. Because it's before God, our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. How are we going to be? A, how are we going to get before God? 
It's simple. Christ is going to come down in the clouds. We're going to go up. We're going to meet him. And then he's going to take us before God, the father in the third heaven, in glory, that location. And that's where the coming is going to take place. Not This is not the second coming. Um, stay tuned because we're getting into chapter number four and some of this stuff will start to come together. I'm kind of parking on some stuff as we've been going through this. But let's get one more thought and then we will close. The Bible says also in holiness. In holiness. I want you to get First Peter. And as you're turning there to First Peter, I want you to think about holy. The Bible says in Hosea, the holy one in the midst of thee. God is the holy one. You're saved. His Holy Spirit dwells within you. It's called the Holy Spirit for a reason. It's only. So he wants you and I to live a holy life. Isaiah 6 says, and one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is a holy, holy God. And we need We need to really consider that and think about the holiness of God. First Peter chapter one, look at verse 13. We'll read three verses. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Why do I have to do that? And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Well, why do I have to be obedient? Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Why do I have to do that? But as he which called you is holy. That's why. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Why do I have to be sober? Why do I have to be obedient? Well. Because God's holy. That's why. Why should our conversation be holy? Because God's holy. That doesn't mean you don't contend for things. That doesn't mean if a discussion happens and there's a disagreement that you can't disagree and, and argue or debate or. That doesn't mean any of that. It means. Is your conversation still filled with holiness just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean you're unholy your motive behind that and how you either stir the pot up and all, and all that becomes unholy but there's going to be disagreement there's going to be contending for the faith there's going to be all these things god says you better be holy because i'm going to swallow you up no you better be holy or I'm going to strike you down. No. He just appeals and says, be holy. For I am holy. I mean, he's not forcing anybody and putting them in an arm bar and say, you better or I will. No, he just simply says, 
By the way, guys, I'm holy. Oh, that's right, God, you are. Maybe I should think about the way I talk. <laughs> it's just because God's holy. We should be holy. We're filled with his Holy Spirit. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, last verse. And then we'll be done. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God calls us an holy nation. It would be weird if a non-Christian read this verse and saw people that claim to be Christians living like the devil and living unholy. They're supposed to look at us and say, well, that's a holy. Those guys are holy rollers. <laughs> they won't lie. They won't steal. They won't cheat. They won't cuss me out. They won't punch me in the mouth. They, they, they're just honest people. They're just holy rollers. What's wrong with those people? Look, we're, God set us apart as a holy nation. A, it's a spiritual nation, not an earthly nation. A peculiar people. It should be peculiar to them. It doesn't mean you act like a weirdo. Okay? You know, these people take things too far. and It's like, let's dress as weird as we can dress. So that when we walk into Walmart, people are like, man, those people look weird. It's not, be, it, it, it's not trying to be a weirdo. But it's okay if someone looks at you and says, hmm, that's peculiar. That's intriguing. Why are they responding that way? We're peculiar people. Royal priests of the holy nation. And why should we act it? Well, last point and we'll be done. So we can show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness. And into his marvelous life. Boys and girls. Save people. Why should we live holy? God called us out of darkness. And into his marvelous life. That's why. And he said. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.